Well, good morning, Clarkson Community Church. I'm Aaron Gross, and next I'm pastor here at CCC, and I have the privilege to introduce to you our special guest speaker this morning. And before he comes up, I know I just tricked you, I'm sorry. But I just wanted to give a brief intro, and, and you know, those with special needs, uh, you know, many of us in this church community are, uh, live with and uh, or live with special needs or indirectly or directly or has a special place in many of our hearts. And, uh, and so we're very excited for Ron Sanderson to come up and to share his story and his journey with autism. Uh, he not only is he an author and a speaker, but I think maybe most importantly, he's a husband and a dad. And, uh, and we're just excited to hear his story. So let's give him a hand as he speaks this morning. Thank you so much for having me come speak. Psalms 84, 11 through 12 says, The Lord God is a sun shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, bless the man who trusts in you. And first photo. God uses our weaknesses for his glory. Hudson Taylor said it best. All God's giants have been weak men and women. They've been weak enough to lean on God, who is the Almighty, who gives strength. And I'm going to share today my amazing journey with autism. My development began normal. I said my first word, mommy, in nine months. And I said my first word, mommy, the day I was water baptized. Any baby who thinks they're being drowned is going to call out, mommy, mommy. But then I went through a time of regression. I went from being able to say, mommy, to only mom, mom. And many children, 20% who have autism, will go through this time of regression. And my mom had two typical children, not on the autism spectrum, so she knew that there was something drastically different between me and my brother Chuck and Steve. So she immediately took me to pediatrician. Pediatrician said, men are like fine wine. They need time to develop. Women are like flowers. They blossom quickly. And my mom knew that time was the essence. She immediately got me an intense speech therapy. I was in speech therapy all the way from age two to age 16. When I was seven years old, my speech development was so far delayed that my brother Chuck would introduce me to people saying, you got to meet my brother Ron. I think he's from Norway. And he'd have me talk. No one knew what I was saying. So I be- he became an expert on Norwegian languages. <laughs> and when I was seven years old, I was beginning kindergarten and my development was so far behind both socially with speaking and with interaction, repetitive behavior, that the school specialists wanted to label me emotionally impaired. And my mom said, it's not emotional, it's neurological. And if you can't tell me what's going on in my son's head, I'll come back to you in the fall and tell you exactly what it is. She took me to Henry Ford Hospital in 1982. They did intense testing. Dr. Delgado came back to my mom and said, your son has autism. In 1982, when I was diagnosed with autism, it was only 1 in 10,000 children was diagnosed. Now it's 1 in 68. My mom went back to school experts and special education teachers. They all told him if he has autism, he'll never read beyond a 7th grade level. He'll never attend college. He'll never have meaningful relationships, and he'll never excel in sports. And go to the next photo. And my mom was determined to prove the experts wrong. She quit her job as a full-time art teacher and became a full-time Ron teacher. And through God's grace, professionals, her working one-on-one with me, 
I was able to graduate from Oral Roberts University with degrees in psychology and theology, a 3.9 grade point average. I went on to get my master's. I went on to get my master's divinity from Oral Roberts University with a perfect 4.0 grade point average. I memorized over 10,000 scripture verses word perfect and over 5,000 quotes. And I also, on December 7th, five years ago, for you history buffs, that's the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. I married my beautiful wife, Kristen, here. And having autism, I came in like a kamikaze. A whirlwind of fire. And being a preacher, I'm a whirlwind of fire too. And March 20th, two years ago, beautiful Mikhail Marie was born. And then on April 5th, Charisma House, a nationally published publishers, published my book, Appearance Guide to Autism, Practical Advice, Biblical Wisdom. In person, I've sold over a thousand copies of it. And I'll be selling them today, just $10 a copy. All the proceeds go to Mikhail's Future Fund. And none of this would have been possible without God's using my weaknesses for his glory and my mom's acceptance. Next photo. God refines our gifts for his glory and purposes. All of us have some refining to do, some more than other people. And my mom believed in autism refined, not cured. I can't cough on you today. You get a day off work, or if you're a student, get a day off school because you got autism flu. But autism can be refined. My mom was inspired by Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see man skilled in his labor? He is served before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. And Daniel 6, 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him above his whole kingdom. My mom knew that I had these disabilities and she wanted to refine them. First, I'm going to talk about autism unrefined. Next photo. Autism unrefined looks like this. You're walking on the hot black pavement, going to the beach in your bare feet. I know it's Michigan, so work with me. Someone said it best instead of pure Michigan, pure BS with our weather and roads. So you're walking on that hot black pavement. All of a sudden you feel something sharp. You go down, you pick it up. It's a piece of glass. Someone is having Miller time through that glass on the ground and you're having Technic shot time. Autism for me was very sharp, jagged. I had zero ability to filter what I'd say. I was much like our president, Donald Trump. Whatever came in my mouth came flying out, spewing at you. Thank God they didn't have Twitter back there because I can just deny I ever said it. Autism unrefined for me was a zero ability to control my emotions. I didn't count down. I was more like the challenger. In 1986, I'd blast off and explode when I'd lose my temper. Autism unrefined for me was a zero ability to understand social norms. My favorite autism in the workplace, 101, happened in 1996. I was working at a car wash. On the way to work, they announced on the radio, today Wayne Fonts was fired from his job as a head Lions coach. You could say he wasn't Ford Tough because Marfa kicked him to the curb. He had one of the best running backs all time in Barry Sanders, an amazing quarterback in Scott Mitchells and a great wide receiver in Herman Moore, and they didn't make the playoffs with the number one offense. After hearing that on 97 won the ticket, I'm driving, drying off cars, and you should show up across at the car wash across from Oakland University with a Cuban cigar in his mouth and a white Jaguar with a 
grin on his face, but Wayne Fonts himself. There's already, by the time I'm done drying off his car, there's a line of people getting his autograph. Hopefully there'll be a line of people to get my autograph and book. (laughs) And I go in the back, I come back. They're done, I hand them it. I kid you not, this is the exact look on his face. Is that what I think it is, son? Yeah, Wayne, that's a job application. They announced today on 97-1 the ticket, you were fired. You see that bug there? That's defense. Now, you get a job here at the car wash, you're going to be able to have some defense and be able to coach again. He drove off without saying a word. You Google his name, he's, the first words that pop up to describe him is he was the most outspoken Lions coach of all time, but autism made him speechless. Next photo. Now, autism refined. You're off that hot black pavement. You're walking along Lake Michigan. You're walking along the ocean. And all of a sudden, your foot feels it. So good. I knew it would. You go down. You pick it up. It's a piece of glass. Only it was refined by something greater than itself, like the one you see up there. It was refined by the ocean. It was refined by God's grace, working on it, smoothing out the edges. It was refined by speech therapy, occupational therapy, ABA therapy. Now you don't throw that out. You put it on your neck as jewelry. You put it on the wall as art. And that's what my mom was determined to do with me, is take my quirks and make them into beautiful gifts that God could use me in a powerful, mighty way. Next photo. There's still times I have my autistic moments. The first time I ever asked a girl out on a date was when I was a sophomore in high school, and she said it. How come you sound like a transformer? There's no inflection in your voice. I thought I'd be cute. I'm more to meets the eyes. I still didn't get a date with her. (laughs) Next photo. With autism, we usually have special interests, parts of toys rather than the whole toys, spinning things. My brother Chuck came up with a new way of diagnosing autism. Normally, you just give them toys, they line them up. He has a mole mole, 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 and they touch the mole. There's the social boundary issues. Then he hands them the toys, they line them up, he's got a diagnosis. With me, my special interest was very unique. Prairie dogs. Everyone had G.I. Joe, Transformers. They had Teddy Roxpin before he became Teddy the Addict. I had Prairie Pup. Everywhere I went, there was Prairie. My mom used him to create ability to develop social skills. One girl made him a sweater. One girl made him a cowboy outfit. This got me talking to girls. One made him a sweater, but I'd have to email Trump to find out if he could ever be in the military because he wore that that dress one time. Next photo. My favorite special interest all time when I interviewed over 80 people writing my book and 40 families had child autism was Dylan's furnace outfit. He made, his dad made him a furnace outfit, and for the next two years, whether he was in Walmart, whether he was in school, there was Dylan in his furnace outfit. Now he's a rapper, and his rap sum is how he makes his living. Next photo. My mom used art to help me learn. She realized that I wasn't learning anything phonetically. When I was five years old, when I write my name, notice it's backwards. So with Autism, you don't only have one disability, you have multiple disabilities. I also had dyslexia. I had dysgraphia. So if anyone needs a script for anything, I'm sure I can pass for your doctor. (laughs) 
And my mom knew I had great visual ability and learning ability. So what she started to do, she'd teach me using art. On May 13th, I'm going to be in Austin, Texas. Thank God they took out that bomber so I don't have to watch where I walk as much now. But I'm going to be there for the premiere film of Fierce Love and Art, which they're, getting, they're working on the process, getting in Netflix, and sharing my story with, along with eight other young guys with autism. So my mom would have me dictate my story for her. She'd write it and then have me draw pictures for her, and I'd rewrite it. Within two years of her working with me using art, I went from having dyslexia to no dyslexia and never came back. And when I was in fifth grade, drawing Prairie Pup, I won the Detroit Edison poster contest for all of Oakland County. And for the grand prize, Prairie Pup and I got to meet Isaiah Thomas. Remember those old commercials? Look up, but I don't see anything. Good, there's no wires there. Mine had Prairie Pup working on a fort near wires, and it said, don't become a furry friend. Look up. And I won the grand prize, me and Isaiah Thomas. Next photo. With autism, we also, as I mentioned, have unique disabilities. One of them is sensory issues. When we smell certain perfumes, they make, make us nauseous. When we hear songs, boom, boom, bass was my big one in college. It's all about the bass, the bass. You give me some bass, I'm going to give you a can of whip. <laughs> Most people are just nice. They're like bottled water. They get shaken up. Not much is happening. I'm not at all carbonated that way. I'm more like Mountain Dew. I get stirred up, shaken up, want to do the do. I was on a talk show. Guy's in a three-piece suit. He said, you wouldn't dare open that up. I said, thank God you're not Dr. Phil or I would open it up. <laughs> My favorite sensory issue happened when I was in third grade. We've been having those scary clown incidences. Remember those? where people would dress up as clowns and scare kids, and they go running off. Stephen King's It in September last year was the number one selling movie all time for that time, and you had more scary clown incidents. I got the cure to scary clowns. It's called autism. So I was in third grade. I had a hat on. They were having an event for Cub Scouts. All the kids were coming. There were over 200 people there. And my mom thought it'd be nice for me to sit front row for the clown. It had the red nose, it had the red hair, it had the white makeup. And this clown, knowing nothing about autism, thought it'd be funny to take its lamb puppet, take the hat off my head, put it on this kid's head, and put it back on my head. Well, it got the hat off mine, put it on his, we're about to put it on, and with one swoop, whoo, I had it. I had that lamb puppet. I began to proceed to beat the living snot out of the clown. Its eh, 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 red nose went flying. It looked like Krusty the Crown after it got hit by a Mack truck. And I continued to beat it. It's like a scene from Homie D. Clown on Living Cutter. Homie don't play that. Neither does autism play that. Next photo. Something horrible happened beginning sixth, in the sixth grade. Or begin, yeah, in the sixth grade, Prairie Pup became the first prairie dog who was ex officially expelled from the Rochester school systems. They said I was too old to be carrying a love-worn prairie dog around. Thank God my special interest wasn't a honey badger. There's a honey badger doesn't give up. If you've seen the video, you know. And if they wouldn't have been able to expel this bad boy. I got my first 
honey badger on my honeymoon. I was in Chicago, the cold wind was blowing. He growled at me, I growled back as love at first sight. But what I didn't realize is when you press the paw of that one, the first one I got, every F-bomb in the book would come out with that wisp voice from the video. So I don't bring him when I speak because I don't want people to think I'm doing a live demonstration of meltdown. And the two main views of autism is number one, Rain Man. Guy is totally self-absorbed. Autism comes from the word autonomous, which means self. He's absorbed in himself. He's unaware of his environment. He's set to watch Jeopardy every day at 4 p.m. Matches fall on the ground. He can instantly tell you there's 156 rather than 160 because there's still four in the box. Second view is Forrest Gump. Mom always said life's like a box of chocolates. She didn't want to expect me to come out of those lines. <laughs> a person who can tell his whole life story on a bench in less than three hours. My experience wasn't like Rain Man. It wasn't like Forrest Gump. I experienced severe bullying and sensory issues I couldn't control. And God really changed everything beginning my junior year of high school. Next photo. God empowers us with grace to overcome all, every obstacle. And my mom, my junior year, we came to an obstacle that was beyond our control. Next picture. My life was on the right track. I was one of the fastest runners in the state of Michigan my junior year. And on the way back from the state finals, we finished 12th. Nate Clay, who was the anchor on our relay, I was the leadoff runner, said next year we'll be the fastest team in the state of Michigan, but we won't have Ron on our relay team. And right then, God spoke to my heart and was beginning to call my ministry. I said my first word when I was baptized at nine months, and I'll share what happened the next time I got water baptized to share my commitment to Christ. Right then, God spoke to me and said, you will run on the track team, I'll provide a way. And I said, God's going to provide a way for me to run on the track team. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Coach laughed and said, no one in the last 20 years has been able to compete past the age limit. My mom called the MHSA. They said, it'll be a cold day in hell before you let him run. Well, Michigan, that maybe could happen. But it looked hopeless. My mom started calling every lawyer. Bernstein said, we can't see this case. Mike said, I don't think I can win this case. Lee said, this won't be free. Figer said, I'm on the highway having a few beers. When I get off the highway, I'll give you a call back. He never called us back. And every lawyer said it'd be over $40,000, which we couldn't afford. And I get back from a five-mile run, and there on the front page of Detroit Free Press was a young man named Craig Stanley. He was born May 1975, same year, same month as me. He was a track and cross-country runner, just as I was, and he also had a learning disability, but not autism. And the MHSA told him they wouldn't let him compete. And most importantly, he was a strong Christian. So my family got together with his family in prayer, and I said, we're going to run on the track team. They said, we called everyone. It's 40,000. I said, God's going to provide a way, for he's a sun shield. He bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless, which I quoted at the beginning. Things seem... Hopeless. My mom said, let's do a second article for the Detroit Free Press. That Sunday, after the article came out on Wednesday, when I came out of the water being water baptized, a 
a minister who knew nothing about my situation looked at me and said, I saw something when you came out. I saw Joel 2.25 all over you. I repaid the years that the locusts had eaten. The great locust, the young locust, the other locust, the locust swarm. So there was something in your life that ate away from you, and God's going to repay it, and it's going to be your ministry and your message. I get home, and there's the answering machine. It was before cell phones, and it's blinking red. And I had gotten baptized at 9 a.m. I press the button, 9 a.m. comes up. Hi, my name's Rick Landel. I'm a young lawyer. I just finished my PhD from Boston College. I have my law degree from the University of Michigan. God has armed men. And I want to take your case pro bono. All I need is your autograph. And see, he was Jewish too. So when God's got a special assignment, he uses his own family to get it accomplished. <laughs> he took my case. We ended up running the second fastest time in the state of Michigan. I got full ride for track and cross country. Went on. But it doesn't end there. I found out the true ending of the story while writing my book. Next photo. God blesses us in order to be a blessing. When I was writing my book, I interviewed 40 of top experts in the world on autism and shared their information. I also share my whole story in here. And I interviewed Gary Marison, who has the biggest law firm in New York. And when I interviewed him, he said, I'm going to tell you the ending of your book. You're going to share Anthony Sturgo's story, and that's going to be the ending of my message. Anthony was severely autistic. He could barely say words. He had an IQ of 50. If you look at the bell curve, the average IQ is 100. And his dad wanted to help him learn. He tried through sports. He tried soccer, and little Anthony would just run around in circles. He tried baseball. Someone hit a line, drive, boom, walk like an Egyptian. He'd just keep walking out there. Nothing seemed to work. And he decided to take him when he was 12 years old to a football game. And he took him to the Rudders football game. And the game was on the line. Rudders was playing LSU. If LSU won, they'd be in the um, national championship. If they lost, their season was over. And a repetitive behavior took place. Three steps forward, one step back, kick. Jimmy Wynn kicks a game-winning field goal. And all the way home, all Anthony can say is, I want to be a football player. I want to be a football player. His dad says, you have sensory issues. You don't like being touched. You could be getting touched out there. But nothing deterred him. And he kept at it for five years, so, or four years. And then his junior year, he made the football team. They had a losing record. His senior year, they had a losing record. He's a kicker. Coming into his second senior year, the New Jersey High School Athletic Association tells him, we won't let Anthony compete on the team. So he calls Gary Marison. He says, I'll look into it. Then he finds it. Sanderson versus the MHSAA, my case. He said, I'll take your case. He wins his case. God's working in the background. He brings a star running back in the neighborhood. He brings a star quarterback in the neighborhood. Thank God he didn't bring Wayne Fonts in the neighborhood or this wouldn't be a good ending. And Anthony finds himself playing in a state finals, doing his repetitive behavior, three steps forward, one step back, kicks. And he kicks two field goals, they win. And ESPN does a whole documentary on him called The Kick of Hope. And that's what I want to end here is just give you hope, God's blessing, and never judge an apple just by the apple, but see the seeds of hope and the forest in those apples. Thank you so much for hearing me speak and get your copy today.
What an amazing story. Ryan, we thank you so much for, for being here with us this morning, um, being vulnerable and open and sharing what God is, what, what he has been doing in the journey in your life and the people that he has, he's partnered you with. And that's, that's amazing to be able to, for us just to be able to have that sneak peek. Um, and, and, and it is truly a seed of hope. And I think about uh, this morning and, and, and the story that God is, is unveiling to us all, where, where, where we know that each and every one of us are on our own journey with God and, and, and trying to sort out the pieces, the, the confusion. And I know on personal, uh, the personal struggles it is in parenting a son who has some special needs. And, and I know the, the, the moments of despair and of questioning and of wondering and of, and of asking the questions of God, where are you? What are you up to? Surely there's someone that has the ability to do this better. Like we've been down that road and we've asked those questions. But in the midst of all of that, we've also seen God's hand and his presence and, and, and his grace. And, and you can't help but feel Hope. Hope that there's something more going on than what I'm aware of right now. And, and so I wanted to share, because not only do I, do I live uh, in a space where, where there are some challenges because of our son, I, there's some statistics. 80%, 80% of marriages, 80% of marriages that have a son or a daughter with some kind of special needs in the home fails. 80%. I can't, I can't tell you the stress, but it exists, right? And, and your mom had a home run because she loved you and loved Jesus. And that's the beauty in that story. And, and, and we know here as a church that our heart is to partner with families, specifically with families that, that have a son or a daughter with some kind of special needs. Because we know the, the, the challenges and, and the dynamics that take place. And what would it look like? What would it look like if, if we as a church community, as a church family, embrace that wholeheartedly? What would it look like? I mean, I can't, I can't tell you enough how much Charlie Lessenhop, he didn't know I was going to do this, has, has meant to our family. Because every Sunday... He hangs out with our son during second service so my wife can go to church. I mean, what? People ask me questions all the time. What can we do to help? What if? Because there's, there's, there's a lot of families out there. What if you went and you partnered with the school and, and, you, and you volunteered an hour of your time and, and hung out in a classroom with special needs and you just showed some love to those kids that are in, or, or maybe it's, at a group home, or maybe it's in an assisted living home. And when people ask you the question of why do you do what you do, I mean, you do it for free and you're showing up every week, maybe the response is that I go to Clarkson Community Church, and here at this church we believe that the relationship we have with Jesus means so much that it could and it should and it will change the world. That's why. Because it's changed my life, and I want to give up myself so that I could be a blessing to others as I've been blessed. And so, this morning, as you walk out of the service, um, we have little puzzle pieces for you. And I want you to take a moment and just have a a moment of self-reflection. 
a moment of, of, of praying just alone in your seat and asking God. You know, in 19, I think it was 1963, 69, somewhere in there, there, there was someone that, that came up with the logo for autism being a puzzle piece because of the complexities of, of autism. Yet, yet, there's been many people that, that look at it differently, and they, they say that, that, that each, each piece is a blessing in and of itself, and, 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 and as we, as we, there's, it, there's, there's many pieces to make a whole, and oftentimes there's many people that need to kind of come alongside to help paint this picture that God is doing and working in the life of someone who has some kind of special need. You're going to get a puzzle piece, and and we're going to look at it a little differently this morning. And the question that I have for you and for myself is, is what does my peace look like? What does it look like in the midst of this world that we we live in when it went from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 68? This is a real, real deal. What does your puzzle piece look like? How is God calling you? You know, I can look at my, my son and say that, that, you know, as I look at Matthew, at the end of Matthew, and, and it has Jesus, and, and he's talking about the sheep and the goats, right? We're very familiar, most of us may be very familiar with this passage, right? He's, he's essentially describing what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus, and what does it look like to not be a follower of Jesus? And he says that all of my followers, all of the sheep, will do these things. They'll live a life of service, of giving up their lives and serving other people. And it, and it talks about, about, you know, clothing those who need clothes and giving food to those who need food and giving drink to those that need a drink. And, and the list goes on and on and on, becoming a friend to those who are strangers. There's times where, where my puzzle piece is just simply and literally clothing a person in my life that, that literally can't do it himself. What does your peace look like? Because Jesus is calling us as followers to give up our lives so that the least of these are loved in a beautiful and powerful way. And we will see the community dramatically transformed if there's a movement. So as we pray, reflect, and take your puzzle piece as you walk out, I think the ushers will will have them available as we walk through those doors. Let me pray for us this morning. Dear God, we thank you so much for this beautiful morning. We thank you so much for the story that we have been enlightened by and have been encouraged by. And God, we thank you for Ron and the journey that he's been on and what you've been doing in his life. We thank you for the people that have, that have come alongside him and, and have given up their time and they've, they've, they've invested and they've sacrificed. And God, we thank you so much because the story you're telling is amazing. And it's a story of hope and grace and forgiveness. And may that continue to be the the message that everyone hears, that your name would be made great. And God, we ask you this morning that you would touch our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would would peer into the the deepest, most inner parts of who we are, and you would strike a chord in such a way that we can't help but leave this place and say, "This, this is what I need to do. So make that clear to to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to thank you so much for being here. We love you. Have an amazing week. And, and, and I just pray and hope that, that, that you lean in to what God is calling you to do. And Jesus, have a great day.